This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Christian Perspective on the News. And it's 7.30 on a Friday, and that means we spend time with Dr. Peter Hammond. He's the founder of Frontline Fellowship, the Reformation Society, Africa Christian Action, and the William Carey Bible Institute. What a pleasure to connect with you. Good morning, Dr. Hammond. Good morning, and the 9th of July is a really special day. It marks the 10th anniversary of South Sudan's successful struggle for secession. Today is South Sudan's Independence Day, and this marks a monumental answer to prayer as the South Sudanese celebrate 10 years of successful self-determination secession from the Arab North, which is a major victory against the oppression that they experienced at the hands of the government of Sudan. As you know, Sudan was the largest country in the world, and they were in the grip of the longest war of African history. It stretched from 1955 through to 2005, a full 50 years. And the longest war in the largest country in Africa was concluded with the independence and freedom of southern Sudan, which separated approximately a third of Sudan's land surface, so it's no longer the largest country in Africa, into a new and independent state on the 9th of July, 2011. And when Frontline Fellowship began to minister in Sudan over 26 years ago, the situation was most severe. Sudan was in the grip of the longest war in African history under a jihadist dictatorship which enforced Sharia law. No missionaries were allowed. The government of Sudan were waging a genocidal scorchers campaign against the Christians of southern Sudan and in the Nuba Mountains of South Kordofan. Two million had died already. Yet, by God's grace, our mission, Frontline Fellowship, succeeded in smuggling in hundreds of thousands of Bibles and Christian books. In fact, to date, 950,000 Bibles and New Testaments smuggled into Sudan over the last 26 years into a country which had forbidden them. And we've seen such answers to presence then. We helped to establish over 100 primary schools in South Sudan, a high school, a number of Bible colleges, several medical clinics, helped renovate a hospital and provided them with thousands, ultimately tens of thousands of Christian textbooks for the schools. Well, on 9th of July 2011, South Sudan was recognized as an independent state, with its secession from Sudan being internationally recognized. The 55th country in Africa and the 196th country in the world, the newest country in the world, the official name, the Republic of South Sudan, and Commander Solvakia, my debt has been for the last 10 years the president of the Republic of South Sudan, based in the capital of South Sudan, in Juba. And the celebrations 10 years ago was extraordinary. I've got pictures of people with both hands uh, missing, just stumps and arms raised up with, and praise to God for freedom of the country and with such joy over the face. And many, many of the soldiers, the veterans who fought in the war with uh, missing limbs, uh, marching past on crutches, and what they suffered. It's an extraordinary thing that South Sudan succeeded in its self-determination. And it's quite a story how, how it all happened. I, I wrote the story in the Faith and Defiant Sudan book, which has gone through three editions and mm. took in several filmmakers, including Jeremiah Films, and they produced films like Sudan, The Hidden Holocaust, and Terrorism and Persecution. And uh, it's a tremendous 
change. And in fact, the changes are not just now in South Sudan, but in Sudan in the north as well. Because we've seen so many changes in South Sudan as a result of the um, the independence which succeeded. But now Sudan itself is going through a tremendous transformation. Because two years ago, Sudan's dictator, Omar al-Bashir, after almost 30 years in power, was overthrown and placed on trial for corruption, oppression, murder. And Sudan has pledged to hand over al-Bashir to the International Criminal Court to face trial on war crimes and genocide charges. This is the first time in history uh, that in, in the Arab world that an architect of a coup went on trial. Mm. Well, in the last two years, now we're talking about not just South Sudan, which has freedom of religion, of course, and and freedom of movement, freedom of association, and so on. But in Sudan itself, uh, in Khartoum, there have been astounding developments. They've made a declaration of freedom of religion. Uh, the transitional government has appointed a religious affairs minister to ensure that freedom of religion is established. The apostasy law, under which many people who converted to Christianity were excluded, has been scrapped. Public flogging has been abolished. A process aimed at restoring democratic civil rights has been begun. Restrictions on NGOs were lifted. Laws abusing women have been abolished. And for the first time ever, publishers in Sudan have been promised freedom of the press. So the government of Sudan has now signed declarations of peace with the rebel groups like the SPLA Nuba and with the government of Sudan, which, with which they have actually been at war. And uh, although we've been praying for peace and freedom with justice. These astounding developments have exceeded the hopes and prayers of many of us. Mm. And I think it should be a tremendous encouragement to all of us uh, that uh, right now there is peace not only in South Sudan and in the Nuba Mountains and the Four and the Blue Nile, but uh, throughout Sudan and in northern Sudan, uh, there are astounding new opportunities for ministry. And schools are being rebuilt, churches are being rebuilt, Boreholes are being dug, farms are being cultivated, crops are being harvested. Christians are daring to hope for a new era of unprecedented opportunities to fulfill the Great Commission in what has been a place of um, oppression and war for so long. And so I think today, the 9th of July, we've got good reason to celebrate and to pray for our friends in South Sudan, our brothers and sisters in Christ in South Sudan and the Red Mountains and up in Sudan itself. Uh, that uh, as 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 1 to 2 says, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may uh, advance and be glorified just as it was with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith. And uh, for myself, I've done 27 missions to Sudan. I've been bombed in Sudan, uh, been under fire, been imprisoned there, uh, been under threat of death in the country had death threats from the government of Sudan on their own Ministry of Foreign Affairs website, which said that Peter Hammond should expect to be bombed on site, he should expect to be shot on site, wow. because he is an enemy of the state, his writings make him an enemy of the state, and that was on the Ministry of Foreign Affairs website for many years. And uh, uh, today, the situation has so transformed. You know, even though we prayed for this, I must say, we are surprised by God's answers. I think this should uh, encourage us that there was a time when Sudan was on the list of one of the top 10 worst countries in the world in terms of persecution, abuse of human rights. Mm -hmm. And right now, 
it looks like a complete transformation wow. is taking place. It has in South Sudan. It looks like even Nuba Mountains, Darfur, Blue Nile, and Khartoum itself, uh, there's a new era of religious freedom. So let's never give up hope, and let's continue to pray for the Great Commission to be fulfilled in all nations. And I just thank all our listeners who are part of praying for these changes in Sudan too. Thank you so much, Brad. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.